Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Thursday, February 25th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. We'll chat FCS college football and some college hoops here on today's show. But before we dig too far into that, my 2021 MLB betting guide going up here today over at ATS.io. All 15 AL teams up before the show. Going to have everything else up throughout the afternoon here over at the website. And also make sure we get that PDF uploaded with all of the pages of the MLB betting guide. It is a long read, but a lot of great information to get you ready for the 2021 MLB season. I'll talk about that more on tomorrow's show uh, as I fly solo to finish out this week on ATS Radio. Over at the website, along with the individual pages and previews for my MLB betting guide, coverage of college basketball, the NBA, the NHL, lots of stuff going on over there, to say the least. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. Full article integration from the website, a bet tracker, an odd screen, helpful handicapping bells and whistles like a stats database. You can subscribe to the premium model. All kinds of good stuff in that ATS app. A very powerful tool to have at your fingertips here with all of the sports going on. We bring in today's guest that is professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. And what's going on there, buddy? Not much, man. How you doing? Doing well, man. I'm busy as hell. Uh, Editing the guide for about, editing and finishing up the guide and working yesterday for about 18 hours. And then a quick turnaround here to get back and finish uh formatting and all that for the guide so uh definitely busy i'm you know sure it's just a usual workload for you though <laughs> no nah, maybe not quite and you said that guide's uh, over a thousand pages uh it's it's over one hundred nineteen thousand words it's 270 something pages in pdf holy cow on 30 so, teams 30 teams all the futures uh the world series alnl pennant some player futures stuff uh you it's know unbelievable uh, breakdown of the stats that i use so uh yeah pretty pretty comprehensive guide i guess i would say over there at the website for everybody to check out and you do a lot of comprehensive work especially for fbs college football when that season rolls around but we're talking fcs here on today's show and uh initial thoughts coming out of last week what we saw what you think we can expect to see how things went from a betting standpoint you know in terms of market moves and all of that What, what did you see last weekend brad uh well personally on a betting front i got my ass kicked uh so there's that so <laughs> we'll we'll see you know how, how much i want to be in, I, I can't take too many of those before uh, you know before i you know you got to know when to fold them like uh, you know mr rogers uh, said so eloquently on his song but uh you know i, I was very happy with you know beating the market uh, kind of no surprise th- th- there at least as far as i'm concerned but uh, I, I would expect better results. When, if you're beating the market by five points per game uh, on every bet, it, you, you should eventually come out on top. But I think generally speaking, there, there wasn't a ton of surprises. Uh, I think from a macro level, uh, you know, lower scoring so far, we, we've seen some conservative play to put in perspective unders in the first 10 games uh, are seven and three, not a big enough sample size, but uh, one stat I did find intriguing was no team out of the 20 that have played so far has had a, a you know a passing game of more than 300 yards so you know maybe some early season weather played a little bit of a role in that but uh we've seen some conservative lower scoring games so far so 
I, I would tread lightly wanting to, you know, firing a bunch of overs uh, even this week. Do you feel like the opening lines adjusted to that or did the market kind of, you know, mold them and shape them into where they should be? Uh, I don't think the market, you know, totals really didn't get posted uh, until game day. So I, I don't think they got shaped real good. Uh, it, you know, the sides got some play. Uh, I thought, you know, the, I think it's a sharper market, not necessarily opening lines. Uh, I think that's a really soft market, but uh, I mean, let's face it. Uh, I mean, the public's bet, not betting uh, a Wofford Chattanooga game. I mean, they're going to bet the big basketball game. I, I think I told somebody, uh, on Sunday, because they were questioning the line move in one of the FCS games on a Sunday. I'm like, look, the public's not betting the FCS game. They're betting the Ohio State Michigan basketball game today. They're betting the NBA. They're not betting the FCS. If there's anybody moving lines in the FCS, I would consider it professional money. Uh, it's just, it's tough to get after a lot of the totals if they're not going to get posted until game day, lower limits. Uh, I will give Circa credit. They were on game day. They were allowing as much as 3000 on a side at one book. That's a pretty, that's a decent, really decent sized bet for an FCS game, but uh, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I guess, I mean, I'm not seeing too much movement after, you know, the, the, the numbers got hit pretty good off the openers within, you know, an hour or two of them getting released this week. I mean, I've been tracking them the last two days, Adam, I, I've seen hardly any movement in the market the last two days on these FCS games. Well, and of course, like any other market, it will shape up. It will get a little bit more efficient as we go forward here, as we get some more data, as we get some more data points. And, and the thing that's really interesting, I think, about the FCS is that, you know, you do get some exceptionally low totals here. And we've got one on Saturday with Northern <laughs> Iowa and Youngstown State, a total of 39. I mean, unless you've got a game played in a hurricane or something like that in FBS, you don't really see totals that low. I know we saw a team like Colgate, for example, a couple of years ago where their totals were just anemic, some in the mid-30s. Do you yep. feel like people are just going to you know, look at that and go, well, it's a college football game. It's got to go over. Maybe. Uh, come game day, maybe we'll get some of that. But, I mean, it's – I didn't bet. I certainly did. I'm not willing to, to go out there and bet the, the over, even at this extremely low total. I mean, after watching, I, you know, I had uh, bets involving both teams last week and uh, I, nothing I took away from those games said, you know, that these teams are capable <laughs> or at least me running to the window to bet the over in this one. You do get some extremes uh, in, in this instance, but I, I think in this case, it, it's deserved uh, on both fronts. You know, Youngstown State offensively looks very challenged. I mean, they only had one first down in the first half against North Dakota State. Northern Iowa's defense is just as good as North Dakota State, and then Northern Iowa offensively looked really anemic against South Dakota State, had a couple of their key players injured. Uh, it's deserved. Let's just put it that way. I think I made the total like 40 or 41. Uh, and, and look, if we're dealing with a more efficient market and I got a bigger sample size, uh, sure, maybe a small bet on the over. But uh, again, 38 and a half is not screaming over for me. So as we take a look at the rest of the card here, and, and there are some more teams, there are some more games, some more conferences kind of getting going here this week. Uh, I know we're going to see a little bit more from the Southland Conference being one of them here. Uh, they've had a, a couple of games, I think, so far, but they're adding a few more here this week. Uh, obviously, you know, we've got a lot of the teams that we saw last week in action. So anything stand out to you here? Anything that maybe you've had a price grab on so far or something that you know, you're kind of considering to see what the market does? 
Well, believe it or not, and I'll post these eventually this week, uh, later, probably like Friday or something, but I made 17 bets. So I'm not afraid, you know, even though I had a bad week last week, I'm not afraid to to get, I think I can make a better power rating uh, than the market, at least at this point. So we'll see. Uh, I'm ahead of the market by 16 of those 17 bets right now. So I think I'm, hopefully I, that should be positive EV. I want my, I'll tell you my biggest bet was Missouri State. I laid two and a half in their game against Western Illinois. Uh, it's up to five now. I would still make a bet on Missouri State. The mispricing for me, then you're going to see a Missouri State team that's one in 13 in their last 14 games. And you're going to say, how in the hell can you lay points on the road with that bad of a team? reality is they're not that bad of a team. I think the, the market is treating them like that one in 13 team. The reality is this is a team that nearly beat Central Arkansas not once but twice in the fall. Central Arkansas is a top 25 FCS team in Missouri State. Outplayed them in both games. They were combined minus eight in turnovers in both of those games and still almost won them. So if they can clean up the turnovers a little bit, uh, Missouri State with a bunch of FBS transfers. Bobby Petrino's their new coach, coached them in the fall. I mean, this could be an average FCS team coming from one of the worst FCS teams to an average one. I mean, you're talking a significant power ratings upgrade that I don't think the market has grasped yet. On the other side, it's a Western Illinois team that was 1-11 last year and did lose to Missouri State last year. I mean, that, that's one bet that, that I'm pretty comfortable with. Even after the line move, I've still up to, you know, up to six and a half. I, I would lay it here with Missouri State. So you said you're ahead of the market in 16 of the 17 yeah. bets that you've placed here so far, which is awesome. And, you know, obviously we hope that that plays itself out the way that, uh, you know, we all think it should. But with that in mind, are you just looking at, you know, taking your line value, something like this Missouri State game, for example, you did say that you would play it up to six and a half. I don't know if it's going to get to seven or higher, but are you just holding all of those positions? Are you thinking about playing back at any of them just because this is kind of an inefficient sort of maybe a higher variance market at this point in time? Great question. It depends on how much they move, but you know, I already have two bets uh, on one game on both teams on, you know, two different sides. I made the Furman F uh, you know, VMI game. I made the line 21 and to show you how inefficient the opening numbers are on these FCS games, I laid 18 with Furman and I took 24 and a half with VMI uh, in this game. I made the line 21. That's where it's at right now. So that's already a game where I have uh, my pre- preferred position is Furman. But 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 I did take, you know, a little bit back. Actually, I, I took a little bit. Ba- uh, Furman was my second of the two bets. I took VMI at the start. I'm like, well, you know, 24 and a half is just a little high there. So I took a small bet on VMI. And then I couldn't believe another book after the line had already been out at plus 24 and a half. Uh, I was a little surprised somebody opened minus 18. So that's an example of something you just don't get at the FBS level that I did take two different uh, you know, sizes of that one, a huge, a uh, little bit of an overlay there where yeah, it's not like a game of the year bet at the FBS level where, you know, I bet it several months prior and then I just come back uh, on a different line. Uh, that, that's just, you know, w- within a matter of hours, having that big of a, a difference and disparity. Uh, the other ones, it'll, it'll kind of depend, you know, I'm, maybe exposed a little bit too much on Missouri state uh, compared to my other bets this week. If the line crossed through seven, then, then maybe I'll t- buy back some Western Illinois a little bit there. Re- good question, because 
when, when you're one and six with a ton of closing line value to start off at them, you start to guess yourself, Hey, I mean, I got all these, you know, supposedly great bets and I'm still losing probably time to take off, you know, close to kickoff, uh, bite off some pieces on the other side. Well, it'd certainly, certainly be great if closing line value was a guarantee of winning, because I know you beat the market consistently across all the sports that you play. And as we've talked about before here on the show, I mean, look, that's all you can really control is, you know, get the best of the number that you can hope it plays out, especially when you have that line value, I guess you could, you know, sort of do what we just talked about, maybe partial hedge back, something like that. I don't know if anyone's offering live betting on on FCS here at this point in time. I didn't see any last week. Yeah, I, I don't know if that'll be a thing. At least on, with, onshore. I think in faraway places at some random books, you could find it. Oh, uh, and especially too, I mean, you still have some pretty crammed college basketball Saturdays going on. Oh, yeah. And, you know, several more of those where the books are far more concerned about those. And, and you can certainly understand why. But, you know, it is always an interesting discussion. If, if you hold that line value, if you hope what's perceived to be a good bet is going to come through for you. Or if you kind of play back a little bit, and of course you don't have to play the full thing back. If you like one side more than another, you know, you're you got that side for a higher bet amount, and I think yep. that's the way that you know you probably play a lot of these things here in the FCS. So definitely going to be interesting to see if uh, you know you have better fortunes there with your line value, and, and certainly <laughs> I hope that you do. Any other games uh, on the card here that you want to make sure that we touch on? Uh, you know, I think a, a game that I'm waiting on uh, and, uh, you know, this is one where I haven't bet yet, but I think there's been an overreaction, uh, the South Dakota, North, Dakota, South Dakota state, North Dakota game, North Dakota, you know, had one of the biggest surprises last week. They upset Southern Illinois. I was on North Dakota bet that game. It was my only winner was North Dakota, but just to show you that, you know, I'm just I'm not tied to any sort of team I wasn't that impressed even though they covered by you know almost four touchdowns North Dakota was plus five in turnovers uh that didn't overly impress me in that game uh, against uh, the Southern Illinois this week they're taking on a legitimate South Dakota State team that's off a big road win against Northern Iowa really proved themselves with a third string quarterback down in the fourth quarter to go for a game winning drive. I mean, South Dakota state really impressed me last week. So this is one where I think the market uh, we'll, we'll see if they continue to buy on North Dakota. Uh, if it gets down to seven, I'm going to fire away on the Jackrabbits here. That that's a game where I'm, I'm anticipating maybe some more money on North Dakota and I'm going to fade it. Yeah. I think it's a good position, especially when you consider too, you know, as you said, like, it's an inefficient market and what's going to happen here in these early games will probably, you know, result in an overreaction. It will be one of those things where this market will have a lot of knee jerk reactions to it simply because you've got a lot of people in this thing that don't normally pay attention to this thing. So if you can find some of those mispricings, as you said, you know, from one data point or a couple of data points that, you know, don't look particularly sustainable and, I don't know how easy information is to find here for the FCS. I don't know what you get in terms of statistical deep dives anywhere or anything like that. Um, Have you seen, you know, uh, opportunities to take advantage of some box score study and just kind of, you know, looking at at what happened in the game, turnover margin, stuff like that. Uh, You know, probably not yet. You need more data. I I like teams having like multiple games that are misleading. Then you can really line up, but I I did play some already. I I thought, you know, last week, well, I'll say this, you know, Austin P was a game that I bet on. I lost with Austin P. 
Uh, they outgained their opponent by more than 200 yards. I mean, really, it was turnovers and also specifically horrific special teams. Had a couple of punts blocked, fumbled punts uh, and whatnot. So that, that's a team that, you know, not necessarily value this week against Tennessee State. But Austin P had a very misleading loss uh, last week's where I might be looking to take advantage of that. I mean, there's not a lot of statistical, you know, it's not, a, you know, readily available like the FBS or the NFL sort of say, there are a couple sites, hell, I'll even, you know, promote, uh, you know, former employer of mine, uh, Phil Steele does a good job. They post up all the game by game stats for the FCS, real easy to read. And I think you can find some value if you just go to their team pages, they do a really good job. And, you know, I think over the course of the season, if you can line up some of that, of course, there'll be some value. One quick thing that I do want to mention, what I'm really anticipating is this market is going to get, it'll get as big as it can get come April. Cause I mean, what are people going to bet after the NCAA tournament? I mean, you got the NBA playoffs and, and you know, that's kind of a, a hot and cold. I mean, a very divisive type of league right now. I, I think you're going to go from just guys like me betting FCS to the public will get involved come April. So that, that that's, you know, me anticipating maybe some overreaction, big time overreaction will probably come in April. So along with watching your bets and, and any future bets that you may make here uh, over the course of this week, what else are you looking for? I mean, are, are you looking for consistency? Are you looking for teams to improve off of that first game to show that, you know, after finally getting on the field, having a week's worth of practice, they can go out there and look a little bit better. Uh, you know, I guess sort of, you know, your what to watch for type thing here for this weekend from a betting standpoint. I want to see how the totals do that I already mentioned, because a lot of new, a lot of teams are starting off this week. Uh, and I'll see if that trend continues to hold up because even more teams start even next week. It's kind of a, a stacked, you know, it's not like everybody's pl- opening up the same week. So that'll be one thing I look at game under belt is what I'm very interested to see how, how much of an impact that is because traditionally at the FBS level over the last 20 years, people overreact to game under belt. What do I mean by that? You've already played a game. Your opponent hasn't, you know, in the last 20 years at the FBS level, if you bet on the team that's already played a game, you're actually 45% against the spread. So, you know, I've always said this, it's better to have game film on your opponent than to actually have played a game. However, we saw one example last week where it was horrific, where Tarleton State had played New, uh, a game already. New Mexico State hadn't, and not only hadn't played a game, hadn't played a game in over 400 days. Uh, it was a big-time negative for New Mexico State. So I'm anxious to see how game under their belt you know, holds out this week, and we got a ton of examples. We'll have a good data size as far as that is concerned haven't seen the market you know necessarily you know really overreact to it but teams like mcneese state has taken a a ton of money they've already played nickel state who won a game 87 to 3 last week they've taken a lot of money i you know no surprise there that the team that's already played and been impressive has taken some money we'll see traditionally it's been a negative last week was such uh you know a big loss for me uh, that, that, that it's made me, you know, less inclined to bet against a team that already has a game under the belt because it's such a unique season where, you know, it's not like they haven't played a game for eight months. We're talking, they haven't played a game in, in more than a year at this point. 87 to three. <laughs> 
Ah, Nickel State won 87 to 3 over opponent. They missed three extra points, too. They could have put a 90 spot. Jesus. How do you how do you score 87 points? Like, were they like plus eight, plus nine in turnover margin or just not stopped at all? Uh, they're playing it. Uh, you know, you couldn't really bet the game because it was a, you know, a non division one team that they're playing. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know what? I really didn't dive into that box score too much. What, what I took away was people because it was a headline grabbing type of final that I, I just knew I had to bet Nickel State uh, because everyone would want to bet Nickel State in, the, in their next game. 21 and a half point favorite here for Nickel State as they take on Lamar. Uh, and you know what? I, I'm happy for all the coaches and all the players and everything that the FCS is doing this. I'm happy that it's going to be in the spotlight here in the spring as well. Of course, it gives us some good betting opportunities. I don't really have too much time to dig into it right now because I'm doing baseball and, of course, all the college basketball stuff. But it is good to hear your thoughts on it here, Brad, and I'm sure that we'll be able to continue with that as we go forward here. Something that's a little bit of a departure from college basketball, which will obviously take center stage and really has taken center stage for the most part on this show, on a lot of shows as well. Because, look, the thing of it is, conference tournaments start tonight. The Horizon League begins tonight with games on campus sites. Not really anybody worthy of consideration to win this conference. Those teams will be in action next week. But it's crazy to think, man, the conference tournament time is here. Yeah, I mean, even I was – I knew it was coming up, but, you know, I was a little surprised the other day when I saw the Horizon was starting tonight and, you know, seeing that, you know, some unique schedules where they're playing, you know, and they're off multiple days in between – uh, very, you know, conference tournaments, probably if you're a professional better in college basketball, at least that week where there's game after game after game, it's probably, you know, the, the most profitable week you can have uh, as far as getting after it, just because lines it can be soft. They're not posted uh, until usually game day and whatnot. And you can get very unique handicapping spots uh, for, for certain teams. I'm glad to see it's here. I, I don't necessarily have a big bet in any of the four games tonight in the Horizon League, but uh, I'll be certainly happy starting next week as more tournaments start up uh, to, 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 to have some bets and hopefully some some winners for you guys, the listeners. Well, and a mutual friend of ours, Rolf Michaels, who does a phenomenal job over at Wager Talk, uh, he put out on his Twitter feed, and that's at CalSportsLV, uh, a schedule, a color-coded schedule, in yep. fact, for the conference tournaments, for the start date, the day of the finals, all that kind of thing. Really, really helpful guide. I love when he puts that out. I tweeted that reply to him. Then he emailed me a copy. Uh, Ralph, Ralph's a great guy over there. But the Horizon is Thursday. America East plays Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the Big South looks like they actually pushed their start back to Tuesday. They were supposed to start this weekend, but I think they have some COVID issues going on there. But next Wednesday, the A-Sun, the Atlantic 10, and the Ohio Valley Conference. So we won't talk again until next Thursday. So we might as well tackle this for a couple minutes here. I know that we talked last year about this, and, and for new listeners under the ATS umbrella, Brad doesn't do a whole lot in terms of conference tournament futures, uh, you know, in terms of picking a winner before the tournament, kind of playing around with all that stuff. But the interesting thing about these conference tournaments, and, and of course this year it's even magnified to a degree, is that you've usually got at least two data points between the two teams that are playing each other. And in some conferences this year, it may be upwards of four or five. So how does that, or does that impact your conference tournament handicapping on a game by game basis? 
Great question. Uh, I mean, this is more for a typical season, that whole standard. And it's tough to beat a team three times in one season. That Don't fall, you know, pray into that. It's actually not, but, but a lot of people do fall into that hole. So be careful with that uh, when you see the, the, some of these matchups in the tournament. Uh, you know, so maybe I might get involved. I'll give you one future that might come up, you know, whole Ohio Valley. Uh, Eastern Illinois is a team to keep an eye out uh, that, that might be dangerous. I know Belmont overwhelmingly is the, 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 the team to beat in that conference, but uh, Eastern Illinois is a team in the Ohio Valley that I'm looking to play on. Horizon, uh, I mean, you know, the number one seed for, for Pete's sake is I've seen some places where Cleveland State's like 10 to 1. Uh, yeah, I think a small little wager on Cleveland State that's been red hot and generally exceeded expectations wouldn't be necessarily bad there in Horizon, but uh, I guess what, from a standpoint, what I'm looking to take advantage of, especially the the conference tournaments that play back to back to back days. Uh, I mean, uh, not you know breaking news here, but uh, as you go along in the tournament, uh, unders, semifinals, and championship games, overwhelmingly, you know, as you move along, you get you generally get lower scoring. Game means more, especially for the one bid leagues. Uh, where, you know, it's basically, you know, win or go home that people slow down tempos, every possession matters, defensive, you know, intensity, uh, that goes up. Uh, but, but then again, if you're playing three games in three days, you know, your, your outside jump shots, not necessarily hitting at your normal rate. So my, my favorite bats are, are usually unders in the semifinals and finals. Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And we'll talk about a lot of this stuff on Monday with Kyle Hunter, but also, you know, you're talking about, generally speaking, neutral site venues, you know, different shooting backdrops, different sight lines. Empty like, arenas for the most part now, too. I think that's a negative. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and also, too, you've got some conference tournaments that have been moved to different places yeah. just because fans are actually allowed to enter the building in some of those. Like, I know the A-Sun, for example, they're actually doing their conference tournament down in Florida. I think it's in Jacksonville and then... uh also another oh, so they're going to allow fans okay yeah so some of them will be allowing fans and you know some of them won't be and you know you're going to have some different venues than we're accustomed to and you know it's just to me I, I really like the conference tournament element and, I, and I've mentioned this on a couple of shows already where and I know this sounds sacrilegious but to me I think conference tournament betting is way better than March Madness betting I think it's just easier to make money in the conference tournaments where You've got some data points. You've got some decent sample sizes with these neutral sites and all of that. When March Madness rolls around, you get a bunch of teams that never play each other. You know, you got a bunch of teams that may have really contrasting styles. You have a bunch of teams that could be kind of high variance in nature, especially some of the mid-majors and low-majors that won auto bids. Give me conference tournaments, man, over over March Madness, at least from a betting standpoint. That's not even sacrilegious. That's just straight-up truth. That's the gospel truth that's, you know, more profitable. Uh, and don't believe me, you know, see how much you can get down on a conference tournament game compared to an NCAA tournament game. I'm the one caveat I would say sometimes that the NIT, CBI, CIT tournaments are, you know, I would put them more in the category of conference tournaments. But, the, you know, no, no question that those smaller tournaments and conference tournaments way more advantageous uh, to get after than an NCAA tournament game. And again, you know, when bookies are scared, when they don't, you know, allow you to bet a significant amount, uh, that usually means that there's more profit. You can get down your biggest bets of the year on the NCAA tournament. Uh, 
to me, that means that the, there should be some of the sharper lines of the entire college basketball season. Yeah, and uh, we probably won't even get – I think one of them's already been canceled. I think the CIT was already canceled or the CBI, one of the two. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to get hardly any of those. I don't think we get any year. of them, which, which is also another really interesting thing here too because, you know, now you start looking at questions of motivation for some of these teams of, yeah. you know, do they want to go to the conference tournament? Will they even qualify? for the conference tournament, because not all these conferences take all of the teams in the league. So if you're a bottom feeder and you're in a conference that doesn't take everybody, do you give a shit at all in this COVID season with all these restrictions and protocols and and all this kind of thing? I would say probably not. So I think we're going to run into some situations here going forward where there are just some enormous, embarrassing blowouts where teams just take advantage of other teams that don't want to be there. Yep. I think, uh, you know, one team that I've been wanting to play on fairly Dickinson, I think their season now is pretty much over where they, you know, they, they play the Northeast conference, but they've been relatively eliminated where their season's basically come. It's going to be over here shortly. Yeah. I got to question their motivation, a team that I wanted to be, play on down the stretch now that they're, you know, they've been eliminated. I've just went from wanting to play on them to it's either fade or pass. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, because, you know, again, I mean, we're, we're trying to play, you know, psychologist or psychiatrist here with, with these college age kids. And it's a very difficult thing to kind of figure out. And to use an example from last night, Stephen F. Austin, you know, I really wondered what the mindset would be for the Lumberjacks who decided, you know what, let's just go ahead and take our postseason ban this year instead of having it next year. And the NCAA was like, yeah, sure. OK, whatever. So you wonder about Stephen F. Austin with these kids knowing, look, we're not going to the NCAA tournament. And this is a program that, I mean, that's kind of the standard, you know, win that auto bid, go to the tournament, scare one of the, you know, the high major teams and kind of go about your day. They were a 10 point favorite against Northwestern state. And they absolutely blew out Northwestern state in the second half of that game. They were up nine at the break, won the second half by 17, won the game by 26, covered 10 easily. And that was a game where there was a significant motivation question on the Stephen F. Austin side. Seemingly they answered it, but that that won't always be the case. Yeah. I mean, I love, you know, I'm a guy that, you know, is, you know, does a lot of motivation handicapping as I get older uh, and get more years under my belt, man, it's, it's tough to, to really know for certain how motivated teams are. And especially as I move, remove myself further and further from my college years, I, I could tell you, I, I, I make college football because I got all week to speculate and whatnot. That's one thing. But when I'm dealing with the, you know, 40 or 50 games a night at the handicap, the motivation thing, it's, it, it's tough to, to really get in the mindset of some of these college kids. I mean, I can paint a scenario where a lot of these teams, I got to almost see it first. Like, Oh, okay. They don't have, you know, maybe they have two, three games left on their season, nothing else to play for. I actually got to see them, them lay an egg before I really dive into it, man. I I just, I've come up short so many times trying to get in the heads of these kids. Well, and Kev O'Neill on yesterday's show that we talked with from the odds breakers mentioned Marquette, North Carolina, and sort of talked about, you know, not a good spot for North Carolina. They're trying to find their way through the ACC, try to position themselves to get into the tournament some way, somehow they get another one of these non-conference games dumped on them. And they did really well in the first one against Northeastern. Yep. They did not do well last night against Marquette. Clearly not ready to play. Marquette yep. was. 
Now, of course, that's a significant outlier being a non-conference game. But, you know, I mean, if, if you can can pinpoint those spots where motivation is going to be a bit of a question, uh, you know, I think it's it's just such a it, like you said, it's a tough nut to crack because, you know, every team is going to be different. It kind of depends yeah. on the coaching. You know, is there senior leadership there or are there kind of a lot of young kids where there is no guy that takes charge? I don't know, man. I don't really know exactly how to kind of figure it all out, but it is just part of the handicapping process. It is. And uh, I loved getting into it uh, for years and years and years. I I just, I've lost so many thinking that I I for sure knew a team was going to lay an egg or how question their motivation. And I just, it hasn't been positive EV for me over the years. Just put it that way. At least in probably more in who's football. I think it's a little easier because again, I got all week to to kind of speculate. And plus you, you can kind of see tea leaves uh, reading them. If you're looking at coaches, comments, players, comments and whatever. But, but again, uh, I don't know. And a COVID season is totally different. So, so maybe we do see teams that, that wave the white flag and, and examples, you know, one tonight that I think is very unique. Yeah. I think Western Kentucky's extremely motivated against Houston. It's one of these non-conference matchups. How motivated is Houston uh, to, to blow out Western Kentucky? I mean, if we want to play the motivation game, you know, Western Kentucky would be one of those, you know, big dogs that I think is going to be extremely motivated and Houston playing a non-conference game. I'm not sure that they could really care less. Yeah, I think that's a good one there to take a look at for sure. And, you know, I think I think that as well, you know, we're going to start getting some of that price inflation on those teams that are on the bubble, those teams that oh, people yeah. feel like are in must-win situations, all of that. And realistically speaking, you're in a must-win situation because you're not all that good. So that's why you have that sense of urgency. You're back against the wall, so on and so forth. And those narrative-based things do drive up the line, do drive up the market price, but – you know, again, you're, you're laying an inflated number on a team that probably doesn't deserve to be laying it. Yeah. And again, I just, you know, say it out loud. <laughs> you're laying, you're paying a premium on a team that is in a must win, you know, uh, you know, an extra, you could say all oh, must win that they're going to be extremely motivated, but a lot of times that creates added pressure. Uh, hey, we got to win tonight, man. Uh, otherwise we're done. So you're paying a premium on a team. That's why are they on the bubble? Cause they're an inconsistent team. They're not very good to begin with. It just, to me, doesn't scream, you know, positive EV and, you know, bet it early. Cause if you know them, you know, everyone's going to want to bet on that team that I'm okay with that betting as early as possible. But if you're betting a couple hours for tip on one of those teams that's in must win mode, cause they're on the bubble. That, that isn't for me. Adam. Sounds like you took a piece of Western Kentucky tonight in that game. Seven forty nine, seven fifty. line has come down a little bit. looks like 12 was the predominant opener seeing some 11s kind of pop up out there. What else are you looking at for tonight or, or any thoughts on a look ahead into the weekend? Uh, I really like Eastern Illinois tonight. Probably my favorite play of the last few days. Uh, and, you know, I already kind of mentioned them. I think it's a sneaky value value as far as uh, that team moving forward. And, and the reason being, this is an Eastern Illinois team that's had 20 different starting lineups in their 25 games this year. I mean, there was a stretch where Eastern Illinois was probably the worst team in the country uh, against the spread. I mean, they went eight straight games where they not only lost them, but they failed to cover the number. But in a majority of those games, they were playing without four of their five starters. Now that they've gotten, you know, everybody back, how have they done? I mean, they have pulled an outright up as a 15 point underdog and as a seven point underdog, their last two games, uh, now that they've gotten their entire lineup. I mean, this was a team that was supposed to be a top four team in the OVC. 
Uh, they played like it the first, you know, 10 games, pretty much like an average team. Then they got decimated and had that stretch in January where, again, they lost and failed to cover eight straight games. And then since guys have been starting to come back to the lineup, they're back to playing at, at a much better level. I mean, they're laying, uh, you know, it's tough laying points with a team that's been relatively bad, but I'm here to say that they're not a bad team when healthy. So Eastern Illinois, I, I not only think you can make some money with them, hopefully tonight, a minus five and a half, but I think this is a team that you can make money moving forward uh, throughout the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it's a really good point and probably a good point to end on here is that, you know, when you look at the Ken Palms and the Torviks and the Haslam metrics of the world, yep. I mean, this season has just been so strange where, you know, these teams have had either long COVID pauses that have certainly affected them when they come back being rusty, having some bad data points, stuff like that, but also just simply losing players to injury and to COVID and, you know, all these other different things that sometimes all that stuff's not really accounted for. So maybe this is the time of the year. If these teams are getting healthier heading towards the postseason, sounds like you've isolated one there with Eastern Illinois, but I'm sure if people dig deep enough, there are others as well. Certainly. And always check the schedule as far as teams coming off the COVID pause. Anything more than two weeks, you are, you if you're betting on that team, it's an extremely negative bet. Uh, I, I have been almost all, almost all of my handicapping here in the last few weeks have been bet have been fading teams off long COVID pauses. The team, the longer, the worse it is. So anything 15 plus days, big time negative make sure you're always checking the schedule for that that just to, you know if you want to avoid a negative ev bet make sure you're not betting you know for example you know nevada tomorrow night on a friday night they're coming off a long covid pause i i would not want to have a nevada ticket i'm not saying that utah state is is a big time value bet but but i i would eliminate a, a nevada ticket from from my card Professional better and handicapper Brad Powers from bradpowersports.com. First and foremost, man, I appreciate your flexibility. I know I pushed the show back trying to get the guide up. So thank you so much for you know hopping on the show, being flexible with the recording time here. Uh, what's going on over at the website right now? Yeah, just bradpowersports.com is the website. Uh, if you want FCS information, you want college basketball information, got some packages up there. Uh, my spring football newsletter be out in a few weeks. That, that'll that give an early look, early power ratings, early thoughts on the FBS. Uh, again, that'll come out, I think, March 15th. So you can check out the site. You can download all past issues. You want to see power ratings and whatnot. That, that can be for free uh, to see what I'm all about. But make sure you're checking out bradpowersports.com. And as always, make sure you follow Brad on Twitter, at Brad Powers and the number seven. Brad, appreciate your time as always, man. Thank you so much for joining me, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks for having me, man. There you go. There's Brad Powers again, professional better and handicapper over at bradpowersports.com. So as I said, I'm going to fly solo probably on Friday here. Maybe I'll find a guest, but I'll probably fly solo, do a quick show here, covering some quick bullet points from my MLB betting guide, talking some NBA, NHL, and some college basketball as we head on into the weekend. And then of course, next week, lots of conference tournament coverage coming your way on the show, beginning with that Monday podcast with Kyle Hunter. They'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Head over to ATS.io, check out the MLB betting guide, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.